Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup. Also joining me this week, the legend himself, Lavender Gooms. Hello, guys. Good evening. Uh, as always, give you the nationals. First one is National Gingerbread Day. And then, of course, National Star Over Day. Hello, guys. Good evening. As always, I give you the national days. Happy National Gingerbread Day and Happy National Start Over Day. And gingerbread seems way out of place here in like the beginning of summer, so I don't know what what that's about. I mean, you got to fit it in somewhere. Probably on I the guess. December. I guess I would think more... the, the December is more along the theme of when I'm thinking gingerbread, but you know, you, you get it when you can, I suppose. Get Good to know, Mike. In, man. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, this week we're going to talk about uh, UFC 289 which is paper thin uh, for a pay-per-view, quite frankly. Um, well, we've seen worse, which is saying something. But uh really lines into my theory that if there's an opportunity to fuck some Amanda Nunes out of some pay-per-view points, they will find a way to do that. Uh, we're going to talk about that fight. We're going to talk about Benny Dariush and uh, Charles Oliveira. And we're going to talk about Dan Ige, Nate Landwehr. A couple other fights on this card worth mentioning, um, but... The fact that we're talking about Dan Ige and Nate Lionworth should tell you this way this pay-per-view is at. Um, before that, uh, we got a little bit of news. And before, first off, we're going to talk about um, the uh, shitty uh, judge's decision, decision from the shitty fight card put on by the shitty promotion this past Saturday night at the Apex. Um, Kai Kara France fought uh, Amir Albazi. Um, five round fight. Um, let's just get right to the point. Uh, Albazi won. Nobody thought he won. Um, by nobody, I mean one in 20 people around that number thought he won. Mm. Um, I had it 4 1 for uh, uh, Kai. I don't know, Mark, what you had it. I'm assuming you had three rounds or four rounds like everybody else did, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Mike, I, mean, I think that was 3 2. You had 3 2 or 4 1, Mike. What'd you have? I had a definite one, maybe the first, uh, the fourth, to be quite honest, I was a little distracted on that one, and that's the one that you guys seem to tell me is a clear, clear round for, for Car yeah. France, so it seems in my estimation, the most he could have is two rounds. Yeah, I thought the only round, the only round I gave uh, Albazi was the third, and I thought the second, quite frankly, could have gone either way, so I wasn't really going to argue with you one way or the other in the second round. I don't know how anybody gave him the the, the we're going to talk about Chris Lee's near criminal scorecard in a moment. Um but if you really wanted to force yourself to give Albazi another round, I guess it would have to be the first, which mm-hmm. I didn't give him that one. Um I just I don't know. Are we not counting when dudes get kicked in the le- like leg kicks anymore? Is that not counting anymore? I don't know. Like what isn't counting? Like I remember Albazi failed at a takedown in the first round. I don't remember what else he did. But 
it doesn't really matter in the first round because not that the, that's not the one that caused um, Kai to lose a hundred thousand fucking dollars. Um, it was uh, round four where um, somehow Chris Lee scored it for uh, Amir Albazi. Um, I know statistics don't um, tell everything uh, in MMA or really any sport, quite frankly, because mm-hmm. hell, Mike. Statistics will tell you Duncan Robinson had a negative plus minus on uh, Sunday. He did? Yeah, but you know what? For two minutes, he scored 10 fucking points where no other team scored nothing. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, Kai Kara France, Amir Albazi. Wow, all these numbers are bad. Um, per round. Here we go. Fifth, fourth round. 27 to 5 in significant strikes in favor of Kai. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he also landed a takedown. So, don't know what. Chris Lee was seeing there. There was honestly, I think a lot of this fight was under the other criteria. You might be able to make some kind of argument about octagon control because the one thing and and like at the at the end of the day, it was like it was a decent fight. There was definitely some tactical moments in it, but I think what kind of like was Just frustrating sure, Mark, me. You're, you're referring to like judging from maybe about ten years ago, right? No, it's not ten, <laughs> but it's at least three yeah, or four. But, but, but because what what Amir was doing was pressuring without actually throwing a lot of strikes. He was he was pushing Kai against the cage and Kai was circling around and there would be these moments and, and not throwing a lot. Right. And then Kai would have these moments where he would get more aggressive, would press forward. Those are the moments he did the best. And he would land, you know, more significant strikes. Right. Like when you look at the uh, the fourth round, he said it was like twenty five to five or something, Bob. So like he outlanded him like five percent. Yeah. But like. A lot of those are jabs. A lot of them weren't like super significant, right? But he clearly, when you just look at the stats, it's like, oh, well, this is a. No I straight brainer. up think they didn't even count a leg kick. I think Chris Lee yeah. looked at the twenty-two landed leg kicks and was just like, "That doesn't count." Like I don't, okay, I, I don't know what is worse, incompetence or corruption in this regard. And I really think at this point, incompetence might be worse because this whole commission's garbage. It has been for a long time. They're just lucky that it's Las Vegas, really. Because there are better commissions out there. California's got a real commission, actually. New Jersey's got a pretty decent commission, at least. Um, at least it used to be. I don't know if Nick Lembo's still running it. Andy Foster in California has fought before, at least like amateur-wise, so he knows exactly a little bit of what's going on. Chris Lee's judged, judged too many fights to be this rock and wrong. And I'm and I know what we're doing here. And um I said it before the show. I'm sick of doing this shit where we got to squint and like be like, well, if you do this and look at it that way and like to the, you know, that's how you get a scorecard. I think we need to remind ourselves that uh, this, these people who are judging this, the fights are being paid to do it. I know it's not a ton mm-hmm. of money, yeah, but that doesn't mean you get to not do it right. Like you're getting paid to do a service and you're doing it wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm I feel I should not, and I know I've been watching. I've been watching fights now, like a like I guess like regularly, consistently for maybe fifteen years. Probably has been. I've been watching it seriously. Mike's probably been doing it for at least ten. You know, I'm talking yeah. fifteen years where I've been really into it. I knew what it was beforehand. I'd watch it with Mark. Mark's been watching fighting probably since fucking I don't know the first Pride Grand Prix regularly. Honestly, you're like twenty plus years into this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I mean. I'm willing to accept the possibility that... Actually, I'm not. Not one of us took a fucking judging scorecard. All these people should be better at this than us. Every one of these people should be better at this than us. Okay? They they literally do this for a living. This is their jo- I know they do other stuff. I know, like, they do other stuff, too. But you know what? 
you took a fucking check to do this job and you got to do it right. And I don't like this bullshit. Don't leave it to the hands of the judges. That's fucking impossible. You can't like, I think Chael Sonnen said it one time is one of the few times I think Chael was actually trying to be 100% with us. He's like, I, he's like, I do not have the stamina to fight five rounds if I'm fully committed to ending mm -hmm. the fight. Because all of a sudden it's round three and I got nothing left. You know, you can't ask this of these motherfuckers to do that. Kaikara France won that fight. Okay. It was close. I get it. Close. I get it. But if you're Chris Lee and you scored the fourth round, you scored the first, you didn't score the first round for um, Albazi. Like that's, this is the problem. Like one of the judges gave it three rounds, the first three rounds for Albazi. And I think that's wrong too. But I don't think it is like criminal. Like you, this guy gave the fourth round to <laughs> Albazi and didn't give him the first. Like One I don't of the know. Judges gave the first three rounds to Albazi. That's better than give than not giving than giving Albazi the fourth, Mike. The first round, at least, you're like, okay. I don't know. I'm a moron who doesn't count leg kicks. The fourth round, he just he didn't do anything. Like he didn't win well, the fourth round. What like, I thought was I thought what really sealed the first round for Kai too was that uh, Albazi at one point put his hands behind his yeah his uh, his yeah, back yeah. and he was like oh hit me and then he got hit in the face. Yeah. Right it's like okay, face. And, and that was and that was the highlight of the round was like you it wasn't like the most powerful shot but it's like the, literally the dude took his defenses down and then got tagged um so yeah it, it's one yeah i mean you know what was a real highlight for me it was izzy adesanya calling out the two judges who fucked up the scorecard before he even knew who the two judges were what does that tell you at this point where izzy was literally like fucking diamato and fucking chris lee he literally said it and he's like i put that out there before i even knew who they were who were the ones who messed it up? He didn't know which of the two messed it up. Chris Lee, you can book as messing it up. He messes it up constantly. Like, I don't know, man. I'm guy like this guy cost himself a hundred thousand dollars. You guys think the UFC is gonna make it right? The 2023 version of the UFC is gonna give Kai his check, huh? Like they'll offer him another fight. They'll offer him another fight in like you know a, a month. And, and Al Bazi, like, okay, that's by how the way, we're gonna make it up. And Al Bazi, well, by the way, read the room when you're like, I think I deserve a title shot now over Brandon Royville. No, you don't. Just sit down. Sit down and be happy you got a twice your paycheck. Okay? Like, because if this was judged correctly, you lost that off your check. Okay? Although, not, I did I did enjoy he did have, like, a game plan as to what he was going to say. It's just too bad most people thought he lost that fight. Like, everybody. Again. Yeah. Uh, not Chris Lee. To, to be, to, I mean, to, to play devil's advocate here, as the fighter... You're always thinking about how you're succeeding. Yeah, and, and I should have been. And so the hard things on him. that he got hit, like yeah. he probably thought, like, oh, I got hit a lot, but like this dude doesn't hit me that hard. He never, because I mean, that's one thing in this fight, like he never rocked him, right? There wasn't a lot of significant damage. He, he I think, you know, Kai at the end of the second round probably did the most damage, where he was able to reverse position, got on top, and really ground and pounded him, almost try to like even up that round at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know, in the in the fifth round, I thought he did really well, but I think in Amir's eyes, he's like, yeah, well. Do you remember when I had his back for the whole freaking round? Like, I'm sure that was staying in his head. And it's, you know, I, I think sometimes it's hard to have. Yeah, that was its own reward, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You should have finished the fight then. But anyway. All right. So Kai Kaikara France got screwed. I hope he gets a new fight soon. Yeah. If he's really making 100 to win and 100 to show, I don't know if he was like, I don't know how his contract works. But if he's got the same, I'm a, I don't know if he's got Tim Simpson as his manager, who's Izzy's manager. If so, way to go, Timmy. Way to, way, to, way to fucking get a score. Way to get a flyweight guy a decent check. Though, Mike, my working theory is that his contract, they made him sign an extension before the interim title fight. 
in the oh, event man. he beat Brandon and they could lowball him as champion. And then he didn't win. And now they're like, now they just got to pay Kai Car France 200 grand to main event fight cards in front of zero people. And lose. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, it was some bullshit, man. That was, he, he lost his ranking. He lost $100,000. A lot of stuff happened there to him. What you know? What have they have they updated the rankings? How far did he fall? I don't know. I mean, you think I'd be, I'd be funny if he still kept his spot after losing? That would really tell you everything that, that happened here. Um, he's still three they, on the website. They haven't updated. Yeah, they, yeah, they haven't updated yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how Abazi is cal calculated. I mean, I guess he got to win, but like, and people forget these things too, man. We're like, I mean. No one brings up the fact, Mike, that like, they're like, oh, Machida's got to win over Shogun and everybody, they just say it now. And we are, we all watched that fight and said, it was what, 12 years ago? Well, we're just like, yeah, yeah. Machida got his ass whooped for four rounds, four rounds of getting leg kicked and not doing shit. And he won a fight. But no, it's in the record books that he won. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. He goes on Bellator a, and says, notable wins, Shogun. <laughs> it's, a ro it's a robbery now. As you mentioned, in a few years, it's just going to be a W next to his uh, record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and his biggest name to date, right? Easily yeah. the biggest opponent he has, biggest W that's going to catapult him into title contention, right? I don't think immediately like he wants, but it, he, it definitely he, puts him in the picture. Hypothetically speaking, he fights Brandon Moreno. He's got anything for him? Because I didn't think he had anything for him. His ground game is really good. If he gets good. him down, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, his ground game is really good. And Kai's defense is awesome. Um, and, and Amir really had to put a lot of pressure to get him down. It was not an easy thing to do. Um, and when he did, he, he did pretty well there. Now, you know, Kai did reverse him in the second and landed, you know, some significant ground and pound at the end of the round. Um, but, I mean, overall. I know, I a full-size cage. I'm not sure he gets him down. So I was also that, too. With those yeah. little dudes in a full-size cage. Anyway. Um, Mike, what do we say about Jimmy Miller out there, man? Jim Miller out here fighting newcomers, icing him in, was it 30 seconds, Mark? 40 seconds, something like that? Uh, 23. 23, 23 seconds. seconds. Jim Miller, the only man with 25 UFC wins. The man who fought at UFC 100, fought at UFC 200. We are, I'm assuming next July, they'd make it like work out that year? way or next May. Maybe next May or next July. Mm -hmm. We got to get to 11 more, right? 12 more? Yeah. They keep you think he gets a fight on there? I think you have to do it. I mean, prelims, early prelims potentially, but I, I think it'd be why? I think that'd be a fun... Because it's going to be Jim stacked. Miller. He doesn't have to be on the main card. Yeah. I'm just saying, why early What's prelims? What about the prelims? Dude, <laughs> Bobby, 300, 300 is going to be the most stacked card. Yeah, no, it, it, 200 was Amanda Nunes versus Misha Tate. Well, that's because everything fell but apart. But that's because the injuries oh, and like that's John not gonna happen Jones this time? pissing Yeah, hot. well, if everything falls apart, <laughs> sure, he's on the main card. But I think ideally when they're making this card, it's like, okay, this is a nice little footnote. He's won four It'll be five. a good thing for the commentators to talk about. They're not, I think, early prelims. If he gets on the prelim prelims, I'll be impressed. But we'll see, you know, how the card, you know. Mike we'll Malott we'll is on a UFC pay-per-view on Saturday. Mike Malott. And I don't it ain't no 300, though, Bobby. You got two zeros man, in there. Does that mean Things anything? Honest question. Does it mean well, they're going to give us the cage hey, rage yellow yeah, again? By the way, by the right. way, Jim Miller curtain jerk 200. So it's not like this is like <laughs> uncharted territory for uh, look, him. This sport is full of horrible people and horrible things going on. Can I just have Jim Miller like celebrated for this? That's all I'm asking. He TKO Takori Gomi, by the way. Good. First round. He had it coming to him. Um, yeah, man, good for him, though, right? I mean, he was supposed to fight Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon, ha I guess he got a concussion in a fight six fucking weeks ago. Yeah. In a fight with the UFC. Yeah, on their company grounds. On their company. Literally on their property. Not even like, oh, the cage is their property. The fucking apex is where it happened. 
All right, right there in front of God and Dana White. He got knocking out a concussion. And here we are. Now, Dana White shitting on Jared Gordon. Look, Jared Gordon already helped, you know, he already shit in the punch bowl with Patty Pimblett. Though I still maintain, mm-hmm. Mark, that a lot of that was Patty Pimblett shitting in the punch bowl himself. Really. Sure. Uh, it was not looking good before that fight started, his week. Um, and then, you know, you're out here messing up a apex that the UFC does not care about. This fight, they don't care about these fight cars. These are just them checking a box with ESPN. They don't give a flying fuck, okay? Jim Miller fought, if Jim Miller fought Mark, they'd make the same amount of money on this card. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who fought. They're selling 50 tickets to the event. So this is all blowhard bullshit. There's no scenario, there's no scenario Jared Gordon has a job in the UFC if he loses his next fight. Just putting that out there right now. I would, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they cut him cut him right now. Is he coming off of a win or loss? Did he, well, what happened to the last no fight? No contest. There was no contest with Bobby Green. Right? So not coming off of a win. Okay. Before that, he lost to Patty Bimblett. If they caught him, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Straight up over this. This is the type of organization they're running. Um, Yeah, what's he supposed to do, Mark? Honest question. Don't they have doctors? What is he supposed to do? Jared Gordon? Yeah, what is he supposed to do? What did he do wrong here? Well, you think he would have gotten tested for the concussion, I guess. There's usually medical things Mm. he has to pass. And if he passed and he he was ready to go, it seemed like it should have been okay. Did they ask him that concussion you got four weeks ago? Because I guess they offered him this fight two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should check. Does anybody? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, there is some kind of slip up, you know, and I don't know if it is uh, Gordon's fault or if you know. If, do, I, I didn't read does too the much UFC into not the do story. Physicals? Does the Nevada I mean, Athletic Commission not do a fucking physical? Why are they there? <laughs> I mean, that's what I would think is you'd have to be medically cleared. The only thing I could think of is that, like, okay, he got he got headbutted. Maybe he knew he had a concussion, but he's like, okay, I want a fast turnaround. I want to try to, you know, get back in there and get the money Mark, I lost. If I may add, he got headbutted, which mm-hmm. then led to him being knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. It, there should have been, usually they get suspended for so much, but I don't know, you know, when they did their medicals after he might have been cleared to go back into active training and get a fight again. And then, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't read the whole story. I just, so what I would assume is maybe, Maybe Jared tried to hide it, tried to play it off. And then when it came closer to the fight, he had an issue with weight cut because of the concussion. I thought he just fucking talked about it in an interview, and that's how we got here. Maybe that was it, too. I I, I didn't read too much into it. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, he flubbed up and his fight got, you know, pulled. But if you look at, you know, any number of these, you look at this card. He literally just said it during an interview. That's what happened. He literally said it during an interview. But but look at the bottom. Because he has a concussion. Hmm. Yeah, because mm. you forgot. But okay, you, you go on Google, right? You look at this event. Look at the bottom. There's five five fights were canceled. Every week, there's like eight fights canceled. You know, like this happens all the time. But, but so I, Honest question with the Google thing. Are they just putting up any fight the UFC says is announced when they haven't got probably. anybody to sign? Yeah. And then sometimes yet? it's just one guy One guy falls out and they remake no, it. I mean, like, I, like, I, I, it's like the whole thing where like the UFC just announces fights for guys who haven't signed them yet. It's like, some of it is that. Honest question. Sure. You know. I think be. I think some of it's that and it doesn't work out. But I mean, all I'm saying is like a lot of fights get canceled. We'll, we're going to talk about and, this you, next and card. you think Jim Miller can't make it to a decent prelim card, five part of that card. All these fights I mean, get canceled. <laughs> I think I think he has I think he has the ability to be healthy enough to make it and whether he does better than everyone else and ev- all these other fights get canceled. Sure. Am I older than Jim Miller? Maybe. OK, I'm no, not. he's older than us. Barely. There's not you. many of those left, Bobby. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I'm really leaning into my turning 40, even though I'm like three years away. Bought myself some real good Brooks. 
walking shoes. You know what I'm saying? Thick soles. My dude, it's what you do. All right. I'm getting, I'm you leaning buy, into it. <laughs> you bought some Brooks while I bought some Yeezys. Well, you support an anti-Semite. I'm supporting good fucking, you know, arch protection. Well, technically, I'm supporting, uh, you know, anti-Semitism organizations because, you know, Adidas and their quest to unload their unsold Yeezy products, they, you know, they're going to donate a little bit of that. Is, is that what's happening here? Yeah, 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 that's how they got me. So the company founded by Adolf Dossler is going to help the Jews now? Okay. Just... <laughs> Just making sure that was his well, name, okay? <laughs> and based off the flight movie, uh, the Arab movie, he was in the Hitler Youth. By the way, remember as kids, people are like, Adidas stands for all day I save, I dream about sports and all that stuff. Nah, man, it's named after Adolf Dassler, Adi Das, okay? That's his name. <laughs> um, all right, um, Marcus, good win for uh, Bruce Leroy in this one. Nice to see him get a W. Yeah, fun scrap. The, the first round was super crazy and hectic. Alex did really well in the grappling exchanges. Lots of fun scrap. I mean, those guys went hard for five minutes in that first round. It was really entertaining. Uh, and then Daniel came back in the second. He kind of slowed his pace down, was able to control the second. And then um, Alex stole the, the fight in the third because he cracked him to the body with a liver kick. And I was mostly disappointed he did not attack the body more, um, but he had him. He had him on the ropes for the rest of that round and was able to kind of pick him off and got got a good solid win. So, yeah, he, he keeps that 15, baby. He's doing a good job, man. He's like, um, he had that loss, was it two fights ago? But I think before that, he was on a, he has, he's got, like, if you look at his last, like, let me pull this up and not talk out my ass. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of I feel like his, like, last, like, six, spot. I think of his last, like, six, seven fights, he might have won, like, five of them. Yeah, he's been unranked for a really long time. Oh, better than that. In seven of eight wins. Seven of eight fights yeah. winning, so. But but again, I mean, like you you go past that. His career had been very rocky for a long time, um, and he had you know big opportunities which you know he was not able to capitalize on. And and he's had a good run here. And this was you know a tough fight for him, but it was a very entertaining one. And, and he got it done. So you know. Yeah, I think he left his, he left the gym. He was at MMA Lab. All of it seems to coincide with mm -hmm. um, his gym change, where he's joined something called Freedom Fighters MMA in Miami. He left the lab in okay. Arizona because, like, his last fight in Arizona, I think his, like, last fight with the lab was when he decided, I'm going to grapple Cron Gracie. And everybody's like, why? The fucking punch mm -hmm. him in the face. Um, So, yeah, Freedom Fighter. I'm trying to see who's the head coach of this thing, but I really can't figure that out right now. Um, I'm assuming some sort of ATT offshoot if it's in Miami. That's kind of what happens these days, you know. Uh, Jin Frey got a loss. Sad to see that. Like her. Um... But yeah, UFC's back next week with the pay-per-view. And I think we got another... Uh, I think we still got these Fight Pass things going for a while, right? Like, we're not done with these. Not Fight Pass. Um, what's it called? Apex? Apex? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is too This is too easy for Because next week we got one, actually. Week after this. We got mm -hmm. Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, uh, Armin Sarukian, and Joaquin Silva. And then off a cliff. And then is this Emmett card also? Okay. Emmett versus uh, Tapori is in front of human beings at least. Nice. But don't worry. We're going back a week after that to see Sean Strickland and and some uh, Magomed. One of these Magomedovs fight. Didn't know that was even happening. Jesus. They're just... I'm looking in July. There's Apex cards. Is there one in August? We don't know yet. So. If it's Tatiana Suarez versus Verna Jandaroba, it will be at the Apex.
fucking Vincente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos is in front of zero people in the Apex. Uh, all right, man. Anyway, uh, some news this week. Chris Weidman, after his leg snapped like a twig, he's back. He's going to fight Brad Tavares in Boston at UFC 292, I believe is the number. Um, a card that is headlined, I think, by O'Malley versus Sterling, maybe. Is it headliner? Do we know if there's another title fight? Uh, I think that's all we know probably, so far. Probably not. Yeah. Right the Nunez uh, Whaley and Lemos. <laughs> Whaley and, and Lemos. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're not selling pay-per-views either. I'm, I'm really going to look forward to after this fight's over, they somehow blame uh, Aljamain Al for pay-per-view not selling, even though Sean O'Malley's supposed to be some sort of draw, right? By the way, Mike, the line has moved in the wrong direction. We are back up to minus 240. We should, you know what happened? A bunch of people saw minus 225 Aljamain. They're like, this is now when I strike. And then it moved again. I think we need to get on the Reddit boards and just talk about how O'Malley's going to smoke him. We just need... People, I think people remember, people at this point have realized maybe this Aljamain guy is better than we think because he doesn't lose any of these fights we pick him again to lose in. Fight's over. Man's got his hand raised. Just putting that out there. No matter how unhappy they are, whatever way it happened. Um, some other news. Um, I thought I saw something else. Uh, no Joe Rogan this weekend. I don't know how we'll all survive. Uh, saw he's posting some sort of weird anti-trans stuff on the internet, which no problem. Oh, cool. <laughs> he went to Texas, joined, became a full culture warrior. Warrior. Good for you, Joe. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't even know if anything else is going on. To be honest, I thought Dana White was shitting on the PFL for having some guys test positive for drugs in Nevada. And like, he's like, oh, they're not going to fight in Nevada anymore because they had a bunch of guys test positive. And I'm like, your heavyweight champion tested positive four different times for steroids. What are we talking about here? Um, you guys see Pujanowski? Marcus, you see Puj? Can I, I think I sent it to you. Puj, take care of that dude. No, I did not see it. Oh, yeah. My dude is like a real MMA fighter. I like KSW. He's been doing it for a long time. KSW is a combination of being maybe the most legitimate organization in Europe. Um, it's them or Cage uh, Warriors. But Cage Warriors owner also is a manager for these dudes. So he's he's booking gimmick fights, feels like. Um, so KSW has got a bunch of real shit going on. And then they also have Pujanowski. Yeah. Big mm -hmm. fan. The show. Big fan. <laughs> the big they, draw. They need a, what Bellator, Bellator and these other companies need to learn from KSW. That's the mix I'm looking for legitimate young talent like Blahovich and guys like that, then give me some bullshit, you know? Bobby, but that's, that's, that's Bellator. Bellator's <laughs> not, no, Bellator is, a, no. That's Bellator not, has a bunch of young talent washed like AJ UFC. McKee and Pitbull and all these guys that, you know, most people don't give an F about. And then they have Fedor and Bader. Not a, that's not a Pujanowski. <laughs> that's a washed MMA fighters. I'm saying give me some freak shows. Wait. Okay. Okay. More freak shows. More okay, freak not, shows. Okay. Where's, where's Dada up to? Get me Dada. Give me Dada 5,000 in a, in a oh, fight. I mean, he, wait. Didn't he die? No, the other one died. Kimbo okay. Died. I, it was, I, Kimbo I, I, died rude. I like Kimbo. I shouldn't have said the other one. Kimbo died. Are we sure Dada 5,000 didn't die? I mean, he well? might be dead now, but he didn't die in that. He didn't die immediately. <laughs> okay. After. Well, if he's dead now, Bobby, he can't go to Bellator. Let me, right? let me look up Dada 5,000. I'll, I'll look it up. He's alive. 45 he's years alive. old. Yeah. All right. We passed that. Good. We all we all breathe easy. Dada 5,000. No contest with Kimbo, because Kimbo had a lot of steroids in him. A lot of steroids. First time anybody in Texas ever got tested positive. Fight. 
What do you mean? You you were you cried me. You, cr- you called me laughing. You were in tears about how much fun you were having watching it. Because it was so it was so bad. It was fun to watch. A whole bar was laughing at the fight. I, I mean, I would take that over some of these other UFC fights. <laughs> I become very cold hearted this time, Mike. I'll take it. Um, Ilar Latifi off the UFC roster fought off his fought out his contract, but it sounds like he's trying to decide what he's going to do. Um. Guys, know how much I like Eli Latifi. I don't know why he's fighting at heavyweight. Is he still doing that? Because I don't know why he fights at light heavyweight, so. a little heavyweight. Yeah. Not a large man. Makamon Armia Khani, uh, I think we're finally done there. He's off the UFC roster. Um, yeah. I don't know. What the fuck. I saw. I, I don't know what else is going on. No. I think I saw good. that yeah. Tony Ferguson had a DUI. Oh, he got charged with that DUI sure. when he rolled the car, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Isn't I, guess, I think today, I think today he pl- he pleaded uh, innocent or whatever, not, or not guilty. guilty. Yeah, so see yeah. how that goes. Yeah, I mean, is, is he is fighting though very soon, right? Wasn't that our whole thing? I thought, like, I thought they booked a fight with him with somebody. But it was I can't like days after was. he got the DUI too, and everybody was just mm-hmm. like, "Is this a good idea?" Like, um, yeah, well, let me figure his shit out first, but eh, whatever. They don't care. Um, he's fighting Bobby Green end of July. That's it. Yep. Yeah. More than enough time for him to get his legal issues in order. You know, if it's Nevada, sure. it is in Nevada too. You know, in Nevada, they straight up just move dates of fights and stuff. So uh, Floyd Mayweather could make them enough money before he went to jail. They moved that Miguel Cotto fight to make it so he could fight earlier before he went to jail. Real thing. Real thing. Was, uh, that, a, was that Gervonta Davis fight in Nevada as well? The one with uh, Garcia? Lana Garcia. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, was it? Because because I, I mean, he he just went to jail like last week. Well, that's because he fucked up. He he wasn't gonna have to go to jail, and he fucked up house oh. arrest. Oh, okay. All Dude, Gervonta right. so Davis idiot. is such a good fighter, and he's such a smart boxer, Mike. And it's like the greatest example, one of the greater examples of boxing genius, stupid human. Boxing like, savant. Yeah, it's like Floyd's like that too. Floyd's a fucking moron too, but he's a boxing genius. You know, he's a good businessman too. You can't is demand. He? Do we do we know he's a, he's a good businessman? Well, I don't know. there was that story. We didn't pay his taxes for a while, so at least he has the good sense to get. I mean, look, Floyd doesn't want to pay his taxes. Don King doesn't want to pay his taxes. At least it was Floyd. Floyd the one fighting. You know, at least he got that money. Can't really say he's not a good businessman. No boxer's ever made more money than him. So in a rigged game, he's done pretty well. Um, let's talk about this pay per view, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's in Vancouver. It's in Canada. Don't know if the UFC's been in Canada recently. Um, don't want to guess. But main event of this card is Amanda Nunes taking on um, Irene Aldana. Uh, I remember when the fight was first booked, it was supposed to be Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. And I remember mm-hmm. all of us thought that was not the best idea. I think I was particularly belligerent about it. Mike might have, Mike, Mark was more even keeled keel about it. I think me and Mike were both just like, what is this nonsense that we need to watch Juliana Pena? Mike, go ahead. The last time they were in Canada, they were in Vancouver, Canada, for UFC Fight Night Cowboy versus Gaethje. That's been a hot September minute. September 14th, 2019. That's been I a while. I mentioned that. Yeah, that's been a hot minute. But yeah, I think we all were pretty negative about the idea of having to watch Amanda Nunes fight Juliana Pena again. Uh, and then Juliana Pena, something happened to her. And we got the woman who we thought she was Amanda was going to fight anyway, Irene Aldana. 
betting odds for this one, I don't think are particularly in Miss Aldana's favor, obviously. Um, we got uh, Amanda Nunes coming in at a minus 350 to Aldana's plus 260. Um, apparently, at one point, we were going to get Wonderboy Thompson on this card, by the way, versus Michelle Pereira. Is that, I guess we didn't get that. That would have been helpful. Just putting that out there. Um, Amanda coming off of that re- win over um, Juliana Pena in one of the most one-sided title fights any of us have any- anybody's ever seen in the UFC. I think she won 50-43 on two scorecards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, sorry, 50-43 on one scorecard, 50-44 on another, and then a 50-45 from the guy who wasn't paying attention. Irina Aldana uh, strung together back-to-back wins over Macy Chisson and Yana Kunitskaya. Um, four of five overall victories, um, seven of nine. Uh, she's really put it together, uh, in recent times. Um, that whole gym really coming together at this point. Um, so, uh, I don't think she's going to win. Mike, you're, I know you're the favorite and you should be going first, but I, I'm picking Amanda Nunes. Well, actually, me and Chalk are the favorite, but Chalk is an inanimate object. Am I, am I so back one? He can't pick first. Uh, We're yeah, both back one, you are and we? Mark are mm-hmm. back one, uh, 24 and 17. Chalk and I are 25 and 16. Yeah, I got, um, I, I got Aldana. Not Aldana. I got Nunes. Who do you got? I've got, I've got Nunes as well. You think we're going to get a finish here? Because I really don't. I think Aldana's too tough. No, I think it's going to go the distance. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think Aldana can win. I just think she's just going to have to do what Pena kind of did, which is bite down on the mouth guard and fucking let's go to fucking war. Um, I do think, Mark, that she's perfectly capable. Of, I've seen her. We've seen her fight like that. Where, like, we're going to end up in a fucking, you know, this stereotypical, I'm a Mexican. I'm going to put my head down and let's fucking throw hands. But I think that's a dangerous proposition to put yourself in. And I hope Amanda, Mark, has learned since the last time she got into one of those where Juliana Pena just kind of like put her in one of those. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I think Amanda's going to win. Just the fact that she's a smart fighter and she's improving. She still improves, it feels like. So I got Amanda. Uh, and Mark does. Mike does too. Who do you got? Yeah, no, same. Um, you know, I, I do think um, uh, Amanda's a little bit more well-rounded. And if she's able to, you know, take the fight to the ground and, and solidify herself there and do damage, I, I think potentially that could be somewhere where she wins. I, I could see her winning there um, from like a ground and pound finish. Like she gets her back and is just able to repeatedly hit her until the doctor stop is it, stops it or something. Um, I mean, also, too, I mean, you do some MMA math, you know, and you look like, you know, uh, Irene's last loss was Holly Holm. Amanda Nunes knocked out Holly Holm. You look at a lot of the opponents where, you know, she's lost against, you know, they aren't quite the caliber that Amanda Nunes is at or the caliber that Amanda Nunes has finished. So, you know, everything's pointing that she should be able to to win this fight. Now, whether she takes the risks to, you know, really go and and try to stamp it out, we'll see. Um, And also, I guess there's lots of talk about, you know, and Amanda has been talking about this for a while where she kind of feels like she's at the end of her road. Right. That like, you know, she's kind of ready to hang it up. So, you know, does she go out there and get more aggressive and and try to, you know, close the show in a big way to make a big statement and, and solidify her legacy? Or does she play it safe and get that W? I mean, who knows? But is, I think is this yet another day, fight, Mark, that we think maybe she at the end of the fight, she retires. Does another one of those. I, huh? I think it's it's possible because there's not much for her to prove at this point. I think like the most interesting fight she has is to fight Valentina again. And she gets 
really nothing from that, right? Like that, that, that does not raise her stock if she fights Valentina again and beats her because she's already beaten her, right? So it's like, why risk your legacy and, and create that narrative and then even get dragged into what would be like a fourth fight with Valentina, which would be a very difficult fight for her where she could potentially get a big win here and just sail off into the sunset. You know, it seems like, you know, financially she's done well enough for herself where she doesn't need to do this. Um, is Nina came back and fought, right, Mark? Didn't she? After, the, after so. she had the kid? I, I thought she did. I, I think mean, she might be active. in a situation where she's like, okay, I'll go home. I don't, I guess you only fight a certain number of times a year, but maybe she's like confident. She's comfortable. And then, you know, Nina, you want to go for it and make one last push or something. But there's also the idea of like, she is the, I mean, and Nina's a very good fighter. She's always been a top 10 to top five, depending mm-hmm. on the time thing, but she's never made, she hasn't made a fraction of the money Amanda has. So maybe right. there might be some logic of like, it's not like she's out there making like two, three million. I don't know how much she's making. But it feels like she's not doing well necessarily on these buy rates. Maybe sure. you just try to get as many as you can, man, because you got a kid to pay for now. It's not like it's getting well, any cheaper. I think too. I mean, look, if you even want to look at longevity, I don't think we've seen this in the past where like when you're a dominant champion, sometimes, hey, maybe retire for a couple years, right? The field kind of evens itself out. Maybe there's a new star comes into the mix. Maybe it is Valentina. But now that Amanda has been gone for a while, it creates a new narrative. It creates more interest in having her in there instead of her just like constantly pushing that boulder up the hill and just, you know, how much damage it does to your body. Like she takes an extended break. She gets out of the the pool. She doesn't have to worry about testing and all this stuff. And then, you know, in a couple years, if she's ready and she wants like a big payday, you know, on a big event or something, she could jump on that and be like a big returning star. I mean, who knows? You yeah, know, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of like, she has 27 fights, but she's been in five round fights pretty much for since 2016. It's a long stretch, man, of every one of these being like, even if you don't go five rounds, she prepared for five rounds for all these fights. You know, she's 35 years old. I think, what was the, what was the stat? Fighters over age 35 in... Uh, if it's over 35, wasn't I keep bringing it up because like when Kamaru lost and Henry lost, they have like two wins. And uh, the only two are like Woodley. Like anybody being less than 170 pounds and less than getting wins when they're that old. So, and again, again, you look at this fucking weight class, Mark, who's going to beat her? Like at this point, at this point, I'm not sitting here thinking she's going to fight some girl who's better than her. Like it's just this father time ca- caught up. You know, it doesn't like, like who's this isn't like we got like Blanchfield coming at this weight class. Who's even like Mike? I mean, who's on who's out there that you can think of? I'm trying to look right now because I don't know. Oof, man. Uh I just had the rankings open, but see, I can't really think of anyone. We got Florio, Shevchenko, Santos. Here we go. That's that's to one twenty five also. Here we go, one thirty five. Pena looking at the wrong one. Pena, beat her ass. Pennington, beat her ass. Holly Holm, beat her ass. Ketlin Vieira, why would we do that to ourselves? Irene Aldana, happening right now. Yana Kunitskaya slash Santos, okay. Yes, that's not the one. None of these, like, I think she I just don't, lost as well. Yeah, and I don't know, like, Macy Chasson, Carlo, I, I'm looking at these names, like, I mean, hell, there's a reason that Amina Misha Tate's still making another run at this, right? There's a lack of bodies. Amanda's killed this weight class. Amanda's ran through this weight class. It's going to be, we're going to see it happen though. You're going to see it like after she leaves, it's going to be like 125 with Mighty Mouse. You're going to give it two years and all of a sudden it's going to be stacked. You know, division needs to reload sometimes. Mark's making a good point. Maybe that does it. Um, All right, co-main event. Benil Dariush, Charles Oliveira. This is why we're watching this pay-per-view, to be honest, this fight. Um, They're going five rounds, right? I don't think it's a five-round fight. I think it has to be a five-round fight. This isn't a five-round fight? 
They have one five-round fight in this whole pay-per-view? I honestly don't know. I don't know how you would even confirm that. <laughs> uh, UFC.com writes it at the top when they list oh. the card. Let me look. UFC.com. Mm, okay, they didn't write it. Cool, 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 cool. That's actually a factor to me, man. Whether it's five. I think it's five. I think it has to be five. Uh, Oliveira, Dariush, uh, is it a pick em? Is it Benil still a slight favorite? But Benil is a slight favorite. I think I last saw he is a minus 130 uh, favorite. So Oliveira is like plus 110. Okay, Mike, who do you got? I'm not... I know it's a very slight favorite, but I'm not sure how we can pick Dariush as a as a favorite over Oliveira. Dariush is doing very well. He's on like a seven or eight fight win streak. So he's on a tear, very close to a title shot. Uh, I can only see one of your hands. Probably. Oh, eight. Sorry. He's on oh, eight. Was eight? Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't want to uh, interrupt you, and then I did. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, eight fight win streak. Maybe one... I mean, he definitely beats Oliveira. He definitely gets a, a, a title shot. But Oliveira, yeah, he, he lost to Tomachev, but he was the champ right before that, all right? I don't care if he was stripped for that title. He was the champ up until he, he lost that fight. He's still at the top of his game. I don't see how we can have Oliveira not be the favorite. This, I don't think this should even be a pickup. I got Dariush. Okay. Look, I think everything you said is right, but I realized I have undervalued both him and Bilal in their runs here because I have this... We talk about it a lot. We have an impression of these guys sometimes, and we almost don't disc, don't count the pus. And the same thing happened with Oliveira, by the way. How long did it take Mike? How long did it take us to get to this point with Oliveira? Like, how many times did he have to win for us to take, be like, oh, he is elite? We, 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 we always remember that one fight where it... It looked like he had the delayed knockout. Who was that against? Uh, it's Cowboy? Cub Swanson? Is that Cub Swanson? I thought it was Cowboy. Well, either way, uh, we're making the same either way. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. We get this impression of these guys sometimes. And, like, we don't, like, look at what actually fucking happened. And fucking Darius is not losing fights. He, like, doesn't lose fucking. He only has four losses. And, like, I don't know. I, I think he's going to win. I think he's a much better grappler than people give him credit. He's got, like... No gi world championships and shit. Like he's really good, um, and he seems like he's. I don't know. Oliveira's talking about Conor McGregor. Like he's doing that weird wearing sunglasses inside thing and stuff. And look, I'm gonna pick against the fucking only Iranian guy who's one who's one win away from a title shot now. Like I gotta on some level, Mike. I gotta I gotta you know wave the flag here, bro. Um, even though he just goes up there and immediately talks about Jesus anytime there's anything going on, I'm like, bro. Bro, we all left. We're all, we're all trying. He did. We just, we all fled because of religion. Okay. They didn't shoot. Not, not everybody left to be like, no, no. I want to choose the other religion. We just, you know, we fled religion. Uh, I got Dariush though. Honestly, kidding aside, I think he's a, he's 34 years old, man. This is it. You know, I could be wrong, but this is the push. We're here now. He's a lightweight. He's 34 years old. This is it. This is the time. And I think he's going to show up and he's not. It, I, I know, like, it's, Gamrod isn't like a, long established guy mark i know and gamrot's only been here for a few years that impressed the shit out of me because that wasn't close like he kicked gamrot's ass for three rounds and like that meant a lot to me so i i got i got dariush and apparently chalk has dariush he's the favorite mm -hmm. all right mark who do you got uh yeah i have Oliveira. um 
I do think I, I agree with uh, Darush being undervalued. Um, his last win being the biggest one, and that's kind of where I I'm picking against him. Is like looking at his run, which has been incredible. Right? He's what seven eight. fights, eight fights in a row, which is in, extremely impressive in this <laughs> in this weight division. Absolutely. Um, but you look at that competition; it's like these are decent guys. These aren't cream crop. You know, uh, you talk about Tony Ferguson. We've talked about how maybe he shouldn't be fighting anymore. Right. Um, Carlos, uh, Diego Ferreira. I mean, these, these guys are, are good. They're they're middle of the pack. They're not top of the pack. Gamrot is top of the pack. Right. And that's why that last win really solidified himself as potentially a, a title contender here. But, you know, then you do the MMA math on the other side and you have Charles Oliveira, who also, you know, beat Tony Ferguson not that long ago. So I'm not going to give him a ton of credit there. But then he beat what I kind of consider the three kings of the lightweight division. He beat Chandler. He beat Poirier. He beat Gaethje, right? Like those are kind of like the big top dogs where not only do I feel like they're tough motherfuckers who are good at wrestling and who hit really effing hard, much like Darush does himself, um, but they're the biggest names. And they have the biggest to lose in those fights. Like those were big, high-profile fights that Charles had to get through. And in those fights, it's not like he came down unscathed. He got hit in a lot of those fights. A lot of those fights had moments where it seemed like he could lose. He was able to pull it out of the fire. So, I mean, I, I do, you know, at the end of the day, come next week, if Darush pulls off, you know, what I would consider to be like maybe a minor upset, I'm not going to be shocked. Um, but it would kind of maybe, you know, make me think like, okay, maybe this is the downturn of Oliveira and where he once was, because I kind of like what Mike said, like at one point, like this was the dude, like, it was almost like, do we need to get Habib back? I mean, obviously Islam was there and we were interested in that fight and Islam, you know, handled him very soundly in his fight. I think he did a very good job in that fight. Um, and, and did take a little bit of the luster off of Oliveira and potentially could be why we're seeing the line where it is because he's coming off that loss where he didn't look super great. Darush fought a young up-and-comer and looked fantastic. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of intrigue in this fight. But ultimately, you know, just looking at the body of work and, and looking, I mean, you talk about Darush and how good he is at grappling. Like, we have Charles Oliveira has the most finishes in the company. Right, like this guy knows how to close the show. Yeah, I just don't. Th- I mean, sorry, I mean, I just, I don't think if there's a gap there. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a grappler, but the way people are talking about Benil's dark grappling, they're like, man, it's not the gap isn't there in that regard with these but, two but guys. What, what, what I'm getting at is not just the finish because he subs people. It's like he knows how to stop people. Very true. He stops people, and Darush doesn't lose decision. He gets stopped, mm-hmm. not a lot, but he's gotten stopped. I mean, and and so does Charles, and Charles has gotten subbed too. This would be a so, wild fucking um, fight, isn't it? Yeah, it's, gonna be a wild it's a very fight. interesting <laughs> fight. Um, and it, it, it's a big fight for Darush. And I think he knows that, like, this is it. He wins this fight. He's obviously getting that title fight. So I have to imagine he's You, you got to really think, well. like, if they made him win this many fights before he got this fight, they aren't exactly keen on, like, if he loses this, he's not sniffing this. <laughs> it's like the same with Bilal. If he, like, didn't win that last one as bad as it was, they right. ain't getting, I, they aren't sniffing a title I shot. Think you can, I think you can make an argument about the desire and heart. Cause I do feel like you're right. Like Charles isn't looking to beat Darush to, f- to go fight for the title. I don't think, I think he wants to go fight Connor after regardless of yeah. what happens to Connor. He wants, he wants the big money fight. Mm. Darush, I think knows like, this is my chance to potentially get a title shot and become a champion. Right. So mm. there could be some mindset in there as well that I think might help Darush. I, I think it's a very competitive, interesting fight 
on paper and mentally and all that stuff, I'm just going to hedge my bets with Charles because of the, the body of work that he's put in. But um, it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm, I, I was flipping a coin here at some level here, but we'll see. I don't know. I just – I don't like – I think I pick not, against – I pick against well, Benil a lot. At the end of the day, not a bad fight for us all not to be on the wrong side at the end of the day. At least yeah, no, honestly, I think it's like, like – well, especially Some like, of us will be again? right. I picked, I picked you, Charles. Okay. Yeah, so you and me are on Charles. Bobby's got Darush. It's M Amazing's playing the safe bet. We're not going to look like complete fucking idiots next week. We're like, oh, we we all discounted the one dude who's been on a fucking tear. So there you go. I mean, they're both been on quite a tear. So Charles just lost one. But hell, man, he beat the fucking the trifecta of guys who clog up this division. I got kicked into a whole new division, the BMF yep. thing. You know. Um. All right, I don't, I don't know. I, like, I, I feel I'm bringing this name up a lot, but like Mike Millot and Adam Fugit are both like interesting fighters. But holy fuck, why is it on pay per view? Uh, yeah, on this slot too, it's like between the two of them, they barely you know scrape by like that is, twenty fights. It's just that's the Oliveira Darius spot. Actually, that should be that fight. There should be one more title fight. The strat, the gimmick is two title fights and a third one is like a like this a a contender fight, yeah. a banger or like a contender fight. Um, this next one though that we are going to pick is going to be a banger. Uh, I don't yeah. like the betting line, quite frankly. Dan Ige and Nate uh, Nate the Train Landwehr. Um, Bit of a heavy favorite for Ige. I don't. I I'm, and I'm a big Nate Landwehr fan. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed every part of this run here. He's an entertaining guy in the mic. Like maybe because he's 34 years old, but I don't know, man. All these fights are great. And I don't know, there's a lot of these Ike fights, like, he's losing a lot of fights. Like, a lot now, of fights. Let, let's say that with a grain of salt, because he did lose some pretty good talent. Um, Mazar, I can't really remember too much, but he did also lose to Josh Emma and the Korean Zombie in that three-fight skit. I just, just bother just looking at this. If you're going to pick against uh, Ike, you might as well take Landwehr by decision, because that's how Ike loses fights. Um I thought this was closer than the minus 250 thing, man. He's minus 250 to... Uh, what is the other end of it? Like plus uh, 190, I guess? Just not sure. Plus uh, one... Plus 200. Plus 200. Yeah. Mike, who do you got, man? I think if I were still betting, I would probably put some money on, on Landwehr. Oh, I'm about to. Uh, three fights. <laughs> it's about to happen. <laughs> three straight wins in the UFC. Fight of the night. Uh, performance of the night, I think, in his last fight, I can't remember, but Tua, performance of the night for submissions and his other two victories, former M1 featherweight champ. Uh, but I'm still going to pick Ige, um, mainly for the reasons I I, I, I alluded to before. Um, I think he's better than what his recent record indicates. I think he's had very top-notch talent. Um, I think he still belongs in the same breath as them. So I'm gonna pick him to him by decision. I'm gonna take Ige also. It's because, but it's because Landwehr gets hit in these fights, man. Like Landwehr got a chin, but he's getting cracked in some of these ones. It's part of the reason the fights are so good is he's getting into these fucking fights that are like his hands are a bit lower than they need to be. And Ige hits hard. Like that's why Ige's there is his stand up more more than anything else. So I, I'm gonna go with Ige, but I'm in no way like I think I'm a th- I'm probably throwing a couple of bucks on Landwehr getting this done by submission or decision, one or the other, or just a win. He's a two to one underdog, but yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Aggie to win because that chin's up there a lot of times with Landwehr. It's hanging out there. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, um, Aggie as well for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, yeah, Nate has really you know made a groundswell for him and, and become a fan favorite because he gets in these wars right where he's taking a lot of shots. 
he shows a ton of heart and that could be what wins him the fight here if dan's cracking him and nate is just there the whole time it could you know mentally deter him and that's kind of where Nate is able to win these fights. He mentally breaks these guys down, not just because of the pressure he puts on, but that he eats these shots. He keeps coming, and it mentally kind of folds the other guy. And when you look at the kind of opponents that Dan Ige has lost against, where it's an Emmett and a Korean Zombie, a Calvin Cater, these are also really mentally tough guys who know how to take a shot and keep coming and don't mentally break like that. So but I do feel on like a skill level, Dan Ige should be the more proficient striker. He should be able to land in and out. You know, he should be able to pick apart Nate. And I think that's why the line is the way it is. I think skill wise, Dan should really have, you know, a fairly easy fight here. But the thing is with Nate is like he doesn't make the fights easy. He puts a lot of pressure on you. He doesn't let you just style on him. He's going to make it a dirty fight. That's where he does his best work. So I think like. You guys are right. Like, if you're, you know, I don't want to, like, I, I don't really bet. I don't, you know, love that stuff. But, like, there's a lot of encouraging things with Nate being this big underdog and the way he fights and potentially, you know, some of the things that Dan doesn't do super well and may not, you know, adjust to particularly well. That could, you know, make me think that he could pull off a decision. And I think that's what it would be. I think it would be a decision where it's like Dan's going to piece him up in the first and then somewhere between the second. Nate's going to keep coming and it's going to start mentally breaking him and he's going to be able to take him down and, and win some rounds and kind of pull out a victory that way. That's kind of how I can see Nate stealing this one away. I do think it's still, you know, the odds are where they are because I think on paper, Dan should have this fight, you know, kind of sewed away. But like, you know, Nate has been really good at stealing these fights away from getting hit, looking like he's about to lose and just willpowering his way through it. So again, like, you know, not a super high caliber fight, but a very intriguing one, a very interesting one. And, you know, if you're going to be slaying down some some big bucks for this card, it's one thing you can look forward to, I guess. Oh, I'm, not so, paying, I'm not paying a fucking so dime for this So it's one Iggy, one on Landwehr. Who's betting Landwehr? No, no, no. No one's betting Landwehr. Yeah, everybody pick Landwehr. Yeah. What are we talking about? If Sorry, you want to put your money Nagy. down, maybe you try to make a big the, uh, payday, but you... you that's my bad. The, uh, the muscle relaxes have definitely kicked in. <laughs> <that's funny. laughs> no, you're good, you're good. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mar Marcus, the rest of this card, um, I, I think you and I were talking about it. We're like pretty much from fight three down to like eight. You could have put in any fucking order, more or less. Like, yeah, I mean, if you do look again, you know, I, I do like how Google does this. You look at the prelims, like there's a decent amount of decent, not, it's still not pay-per-view caliber fights, but interesting fighters that I would have been potentially interested to see how they did that, that, you know got scrapped uh, sh uh match uh chanel the roundtree uh chris dacus fight i mean those aren't like you know the most like impressive fights in the world but they're guys we know and i had imovov and curtis is actually not terrible that's of all the fights that, on that's the thing, good that one's actually yeah. pretty decent and um mm. after I, that for me it's kind of mm. <laughs> jasmine yasa I, I can't say her last name but she was real good on the mma hour i enjoyed okay. her and miranda maverick okay. i've always enjoyed right I'm just gonna go. It's it's. So I'm just gonna pencil in decision for one of them right there. Yeah. So it's gonna it's, happen. It's a little. It, it it's it, it's a it's a fairly weak card. I think the pay per view is pretty weak, and the prelims fairly weak as well. So it's just. What are you doing? Is this five yeah. rounds or fucking not? That's I'm legitimately for the co-main event. Like, cause that's the thing. If it's not five rounds, like what the 
What are we even? I, I don't. don't. I don't know what card, the standard people. is. If you want to get, I don't know what if, the standard is. Because I, I agree with you, Bobby. It should be two title fights when you'd have two five rounds. But I don't always know. Sometimes a co-main event will be five rounds, and sometimes it won't. And it's just very up in the air. It's not clear. I don't get it. I'm just. Look, don't pay for this pay-per-view. If you want to give Amanda, if you support Amanda Nunes financially, I'm sure you can buy a t-shirt off her fucking website. She'll make more money on that than she will in this dog shit. This is a joke. Asking $80. Asking $80. This is $80. And then the next month, they're going to put on, uh, like, uh, Oli, Va- was it, uh, uh, fucking Volkanovsky, Rodriguez, uh, Moreno Pantoja, Hooker and Jalen Turner, Robert Whitaker and Drickus Deplusie, and like Bo Nichols sacrificing some kid. That that's five. That's that's the same price. I feel like just five years ago, these pay per views are like sixty bucks. Maybe every, it goes up. It goes up five bucks every year. You can, you don't have to guess. Mm-hmm. Like that's what happened. Every year it's going up five dollars. That's crazy inflation. Dude, Robbie Lawler is in retirement fight is on the prelims of the next one. We couldn't get Robbie that's, on pay per view. I would. I would pay for that. Jack Sean Brady versus Jack Delamade Madalena is on the prelims next time. Huh? What? <laughs> Don't pay for this. Um, all right. Um, let's do stuff we like. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say mine because mine's an old version. Mine's the first version of a movie Mark saw <laughs> this weekend. Well, 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 Bob, before we get in, I mean, there's a big one we were gonna talk about, right? Oh shit! We finally get to talk about it. Right. Um, you want to save that for the end? All the Ted Lasso stuff together. Let's knock everything else out real quickly. Sure, yeah. Okay. Real quickly, I watched Into the Spider-Verse, the first one. Um, was not my intent to watch that movie this weekend, but it's how I ended up with my trials and tribulations of streaming services, HDMI cables, and optical cables. That being said... To be fair, we did try to make you watch it during my bachelor party, but you were it. cooking... Okay, I didn't I know did. if you remember, because you were no, cooking wings every we, five no, minutes, so we kept pausing I definitely it, so I don't it. know if it really no, sunk this, in. No, that wasn't the first time I... I've seen it since, too. I've oh, this is like okay, my third okay. time seeing it. At least. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I my girlfriend hadn't seen it, and I told her how like this how good it was, and she she loved it. She thought it like the music was great, the animation's awesome, the story's good. We're talking, we're talking about the first one, right? First one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you see the second one yet? No, I haven't seen okay, it. Yeah, Mark did. Um mm-hmm. I love Into the Spider-Verse. I think it's just so well done. Um, I think it's absolutely worth your time. My mom loved it. She said she saw it. I don't know how that even happened. I'm assuming just on HBO or something. She sat down and watched a cartoon. Yeah. Um, she thought it was awesome too. I think you could, I haven't seen the most recent one. And I know how much we all loved um, that last Spider-Man movie. A lot of it was nostalgia and, you know, old Spider-Man and stuff like that. A bunch of Spider-Man, you guys all, everybody hate it. Not you guys on the podcast, but a lot of people seem to hate when those movies were coming out. And all of a sudden, everybody was all nostalgic about Garfield and McGuire. I think this one very. I think Into the Spider Verse, the first one, can make a real easy argument of being the best Spider Man movie. It's it's very good. So I watched that, and we'll talk about Ted Lasso at the end, which we all have lots of thoughts on. But Mark, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I got a handful of things here. Um, I did mention last week, uh, Street Fighter Six came out. I don't know at the time of the podcast. I think it did. Like I think reviews came out, and they were really high. Like I was shocked at how high it is. I think at the time Metacritic had an at a ninety two. Which over 90 nowadays is very difficult to achieve. And I think especially for a fighting game. Um, and it really is because they they really bolstered this thing with a lot of extra stuff that normally you don't get in fighting games. And I mean, outside of the core mechanics and what the game is doing on just like a fighting game level, I think this world tour mode is a lot of content for people that might not 
want to dive into the nitty gritty of all these new gauge systems they have and can really be something where I mean you're you're basically just running around an open world in like this light JRPG action RPG fighting random people, which I actually you know I, I think is one of the most appealing things early on in this fight is you you get to make your wacko character and then you get in this open world and there's all these NPCs walking around and you can just dragon punch any motherfucker dude you want and then start a street fight with them and beat the shit. I mean, and that is very appealing at first. It's like, oh, here's this random old lady who's like, you know, doing uh, yoga or whatever. And I just dragon punch her and beat the shit out of her. And it's just like, there, there is some That's weird appeal. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's a very weird thing. It's like in this world, these people just don't mind getting in street fights. They don't really, there's no negative reaction for dragon punching an old lady, which is unsuspecting. In fact, it just helps you because you just did a bunch of damage on her. Um, the world tour mode itself does have like this narrative it's trying to go for. And I think the, the, the main criticism is the narrative it's trying to tell is extremely weak. Um, it's a very, the, the mode is very interesting in how it's slowly going to teach new players the different mechanics of fighting games. Um, but like on a narrative standpoint, if you're looking for like that, that to be a main push for you to keep going forward, it's really not. I, I think where that mode kind of shines is kind of the wackiness of making your weird characters. And then it is your character's interaction with like the famous street fighter characters, right? So you're like, you're meeting Chung Lee and she's teaching Kung Fu in the park and you get a weird little cutscene with your character doing kung fu and it's it, it, it's it's intriguing it's charming it's wholesome and it, it's very digestible and fun like those aspects are fun a lot of the the side mission grinding stuff isn't as impressive and you know after you've beaten up old ladies or random businessmen or whatever like that novelty does start to wear off a little bit um but that's just something for people that aren't really into the the core of the game the fighting to have something to do, to have to give them content and a lot of content at that, maybe too much content. Um, and then outside of that, let's just like the online stuff's really good. The rollback, the training has all the frame data you need to really learn. Like, you know, if you dive into that stuff, this game is really going to teach you why things happen the way that happen. And I know for a long, I've been playing fighting games since I was a little kid. And for a lot of times I'm just mashing buttons. And I don't understand oh, why am I getting hit and, and why aren't they getting hit and why, you know, is this happening or that happening? And as you learn more about the mechanics of the game and the frame data and like, Oh, well they're getting block stunned so I can hit them again. It's still my turn to attack. If my startup animation hits, I mean, there's lots of technical jargon that this game does really try to go out of its way to explain to you. So if you want to get into the finer details of what's going on and how to compete at a higher level. This game has all those tools there for you to learn. Um, and then it's, you know, it visually looks really good. It has a lot of style and class. I mean, class is the right word. It has a lot of style and kind of charisma to it. You know, it's just oozing with like personality with all the different fighters and, and a really good starting roster too. I mean, they have the original eight there and they have some returning characters from you know newer series and they have a lot of new characters i i also do find kind of appealing and that's kind of where some of some of the series has gone a little stray some of the characters are too wackadoo or too crazy and i can't really jive with them but i think a lot of these characters are a little bit more grounded and uh it's just overall just a fantastic package so yeah i mean um you know for a series i've loved forever you know five was you know a disappointment for a lot of people that slowly over years was able to build itself back up and get people back on board and then it, it's nice to see them start at six and be in a really strong place and, and see where they go from here so um yeah i've been really
Um, later this week, we do have the Summer Game Fest is kicking off. Sorry, I, look, I froze for a second. Um, and Summer Game Fest is basically what has replaced E3. Now, it is kind of a mere shadow of what it was. It's E3 used to be this phenomenal thing where all the big players would come and show off their games. Um, we already had last week, Sony showed off some games that were a little middling. You know, they had their showcase that didn't really wow people. Um, but the Summer Game Fest is going to show more, and uh, Xbox is going to have its own thing. Ubisoft is going to show its thing. So we could, you know, next week there could be some interesting new reveals. Um, and I hope that is the case because, you know, E3 used to be like at this point in the year in the gaming cycle, we don't really know a lot about what's coming out at the end of the year. Normally, it's kind of a dead zone because everyone waits until E3 to have their big presentation. Now, a lot of games have already been announced. Um, that kind of formula has changed a little bit, but I'm kind of anticipating and, and hoping that there's some really cool surprises there. So we'll talk about that next week. Um, and then lastly, I did see um, Across the Spider-Verse. What's the freaking new name? I think it is Across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> Across yeah. the Spider-Verse. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I really did enjoy it. I think it's fun. Um, I mean, because it, it follows in the in a lot of the things that made the first one so entertaining. Th those characters are really compelling and charming and the style of the animation and the music it, it it really you know goes to its own beat and is extremely successful in that way and i don't want to spoil anything i'm not going to like this isn't going to be a big spoiler but it's just i think there is going to be more of these and i think the way they ended this one was a little like too cliffhangery really it was just like when I was watching it, it was we're getting to the point where it's like been in here for a couple hours now, like and this issue has not started to resolve itself yet. We're building, and then it was like to be continued. It was like, oh, okay, you know, like it doesn't. The first one definitely has like you can tell like the story could continue, but you know, if it ended there, it would have been completely fine and wrapped up. And this is clearly like. Nah, dog. We're squeezing a little bit more juice out of this one, which I'm fine with. And I think they said the next movie is going to come out in the next year, so it's going to be a, a, a quicker oh, turnaround. Okay. That's what I heard. Um, but overall, like that didn't deter my enjoyment. It's just one of those things where it's like you're watching, and it's just like we're getting, we've been here for a while, and like there's still shit to settle here. I don't know how we're going to wrap this all up in a, a, a tight ten here. Um, but it was really good. I totally recommend you guys check it out when you can, if you can. Uh, question. Um, mm -hmm. Were all the Spider-Men from the original movie there? Like, did we get John Mulaney and all of them? Do you want me to spoil that? Uh, no. Uh, Alright, then no. Okay. All right, no. okay. <laughs> I don't have anything. Um, I was going to say, I was going to talk about Ted Lasso, but I think we're all going to talk about that. There we go. Why don't you give us your thoughts then, Mike? Um, so, my thoughts... First, it's the weird things I've been seeing online where there hasn't been anyone that's really been meh about this season of Ted Lasso. It's either been people like, uh, I haven't really talked to you about it, Mark, but you know, I've talked with Bobby mm -hmm. here and there after each episode of Ted Lasso. I think we're both in the camp of we, we, I, we both love the season, um, I think. Uh, let me know if I'm being presumptuous in that thought, Bobby. I think I ultimately yes. I think it, there was a ramp up too, though for me. There was like some at the beginning. I was just like, eh, some of this is. 
I don't know. I think like like I, it really like I, it was a bit of a build. Like I understood some of the first season, like beginning of the season, more as the it went on. If that making sense, right. you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, it does. But like you would see online a lot of people saying how they how much they hate the show, how each episode sucks, which I never really understood. Um, the last episode, I thought it was a is a very very good episode. Um, I I cried maybe about two times during that that last episode, so um, that must mean I enjoyed it a, a fair amount. It tugged all the heartstrings as you would expect Ted Lasso to do at this point. You're in for I think Steph was still on the the podcast when we first talked about Ted Lasso, and I think he described it as saccharin, um, which I think is very very apt. Um, my only gripe, I think, about the final episode and just the season in general was I thought the Keeley storyline was was a little lacking. Um, I thought they kind of just put her right back where she was at the beginning of the season, which I, I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, I think they could have handled that breakup with what was her name rudy charlie uh, Jackie, bobby I think. jack jack all right yeah. i know i know some 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 guy's name um i thought they could have handled that better and maybe made some more character development come my, out of my, that what my question girlfriend's name jacqueline okay do you think it's possible this jack character might you know that might be her name just i'm just putting that out there just putting that out. Just putting that it's out. <laughs> Just putting that out there. It's those right, painkillers. He's on the relaxers right now. It's, it's, hey, I've never heard anyone named Jacqueline or Jacqueline named Jack. Right? I'm just saying. Okay. And and again, painkillers. You're you really throwing. Right, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I just like when you said that. I'm just like, don't know if she listens to the show, but she might just be like raising her hand, like, excuse me. <laughs> She Excuse does not me. <laughs> like she does not like being called Jackie, let alone Jack. So I think she, she goes full Jacqueline. Yeah. I can respect. Yeah. And I and I think she stopped listening to the show when she realized I was in there. Like I wasn't going anywhere. I yeah, can she respect. She don't, she don't listen. <laughs> she don't listen anymore. But uh no, I I truly enjoyed um the the season. Part of me was kind of mad at Ted Lasso's little bratty kid like oh well my dad yo my guy's trying to win epl baby and you here just crying because your dad's out here getting stardom what a little shit but i enjoy the show i uh i definitely got a misty eyed a few times there the thing i honestly the whole finale was just they really uh it was a lot of fan service i think it really rewarded you from for remembering stuff quite frankly like mark and i we're just talking about some of the references. Like I, I, I watched some video on YouTube where the guy went through all the references. Cause like I didn't have them all. Like it took me, uh, like, like Marcus, I think when I, I told you when I listened to him, like, Oh, I didn't catch that one. I didn't catch that one. Mm-hmm. The ones that really got to me was when they used, uh, and obviously spoiler up to wazoo is what we mean. You had to know this is coming folks. Um, when they used Nate's play, that was, that <laughs> yeah. really, that was like, and then like, Jamie, the guy who played Jamie, um, Phil Dunster, that dude had like I don't know if who's gonna win awards at the end of this year, but uh, he should. Like that's who should win this year. 
like Golden Globes and stuff. I thought he killed it. I thought Jamie's entire arc over three years really came to a head this ep this season. And I thought he was so good. So good. By the way, that dude's accent, he's doing like a northern, I guess he's doing like a Manchester accent, the guy. Dude is from London. Like when he actually listened to Phil Dunster talk, he's not have that kind of English accent. Like he went real, like, I'm not English. I don't know how good of a job he did, but like blew my fucking mind. Let me tell you that. Um, the Keely stuff, what I did like, I don't know if like, this is me drawing something that wasn't there, Mike, but like, I thought the difference between her at the beginning, like how she, like, to the now was like, it kind of felt like she was waiting for someone to give her an opportunity to do these other things. And then like by the end of the season, she's like, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm doing this my way. And like her idea at the end of like the women's club, again, that might just be me drawing things into it. But like, I thought like, oh no, she's really taking her, like her passions and her career. She's taking the reins. You know, she wasn't looking for approval for somebody else, especially like at the end when like the boys are fighting over and she's like, fuck off. Like, get the fuck out of here. What are we talking about here? She wasn't letting any of that stuff define her, you know, especially like parts of this season where I felt like she was really worried about this Jack character and how does, what does Jack think and all that? That was the part that annoyed me. I'm like, Keely, you're, you're better than this bullshit, like dealing with these fucking, this, these people. So I thought at the end, it was a bit of character development, at least for how I viewed it at the time. Again, personal view of it. Um, I just thought like, because the last like three, like the last three, four episodes is really when the ramp was happening. I thought in terms of like quality of the season, I thought like it really like landed for me there. That's when I was just like, wow, they really like, they really killed it here. Well done. Um, I was like, people won't stop doing that. But Mark, give your opinion on the show, please. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, overall, I did really enjoy this third season. I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as the first two. Um, because I do feel there was a lot of almost like manipulation in this season where, especially with some of the issues that came up, I would almost be like, okay, I know this, especially when it came with like one of the characters coming out and stuff. It's like, I know the way they're presenting this isn't how it's going to end up. Like the show's too wholesome to have like a bigoted character. Like they're trying to kind of curve you into. So there was definitely some episodes and some of the the arcs in this season that like just didn't really feel right with me like some of it just seemed kind of like filler or we were getting there but like overall i still really enjoyed this season because it is just like these characters are fun the the writing's very fun and clever and you're invested in like what's going on and i think episode to episode i always enjoyed it but like when i looked back on it it was just there was just some things i was like why were some of these things really necessary or like do i feel like this was the best version of them that they could have potentially done. And I don't always know if that was the case, like having the the superstar come in and kind of re change the whole script of like where the, because the narrative in the first beginning was like, Oh, they just got into this new league. They're going to get knocked out. And it kind of seemed like, Oh, this is going to be the arc of this season. Like they're going to have to scrape by to just stay in this league. And then they get this superstar character. And then it goes from like, Oh, you're going to be knocked out. So you're the best. You instantly, because this one player have become, and I know that that can happen in soccer because, you know, when you have an athlete that's that talented, they could really, you know, carry a team. But it just kind of deflated what they were building previously to something else. And then um, I, I can't remember her name, the, the, the club manager, this whole arc Rebecca. where she goes, Rebecca, yeah, this whole arc where she kind of goes to the fortune teller. And again, like they're just kind of playing with like, judging you one way where it's like oh you think she's gonna get with um 
the the soccer player. I'm forgetting all their names. Mike, Sam, help me. Sam. Yeah. And I thought that would have been exciting. You know, I love their relationship. They were so, so cute. They had such good chemistry. And then, you know, halfway through the season, she meets this guy in Amsterdam and that character was very charming and interesting. And then they kind of like connect again at the end. And it's just kind of like, where was all that kind of going? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just, and maybe that is part of it trying to be a little bit more like, um, not like on the nose or super predictable because I feel like that's the other thing in this show is it's like, it's a fun loving show. Like no one's really the bad guy. No one's going to, you, you knew at the end, Nate and Ted were going to recommend, right? Like they weren't going to be, there wasn't just going to be this tension. You knew Nate was eventually going to come around. Cause they, what's that? Reconcile. Yeah. Reconcile. Yeah. Cause you knew you, you, you grew, you had two seasons to really kind of like fall for Nate and really, want to root for him and then they kind of pull the rug out and make him a huge asshole and it's like we're not going to end that way right there's only one asshole in the show and it's rubert right so there's a lot of things where it's like i do feel they tried to flip this the script a little bit to kind of keep you guessing but ultimately at the end of the day like we're going to end with a big happy ending right and that's what i wanted like i don't want them to do like some weird pull the carpet under the rug and have like a bunch of bad shit happen to these characters really like i'm glad that we got like the fairy tale ending where like it didn't end exactly how you wanted it to but that's also how the show presented itself right i mean i think when they got ted as a coach he didn't win the championship right in in football like didn't he come in second place but the team all gathered around him and danced i thought that was what happened i don't maybe maybe i'm mistaken there maybe they did win um but like at the end of the day it was just like it was fun and and like mike i got very emotional during the finale and it, it really is just one of these things like you could tell when they started this show, they had no idea like the potential impact it could have. You know, I think there was a lot of things in place to make this very successful and make it kind of like a cult classic, but I think it grew beyond that. And I think some of that was circumstances that they had no control over. I think this show hitting when it did during the pandemic, when people were kind of down and depressed and had time to consume something like this really resonated with a lot of people to have like, this is a show that isn't like, I haven't seen it like succession or a lot of these dramas where there's lots of like tension and backstabbing. Like this is just a good hearted, well-meaning show where like these characters are using positivity to better, better themselves. And I think it's just kind of like what the world needed at that time. And I think it resonated with a lot of people. So I feel going into this third season, they had a lot to live up to and kind of maintain. And I, while I don't feel like they nailed it out of the park, I feel like they, they kept it where it needed to be and, and ultimately ended it in a really good note. So like, yeah, at the end of the day, like I still super enjoyed um, the season, but like, kind of like Mike and there's just like little things. I was just like, at the end of it, I was like, I don't really know what the point of that was. I don't know if I got the most enjoyment out of it as I potentially could. Like maybe if they had more time to flesh things, certain things out, maybe I would have gotten a little bit more out of it. But like at the end of the day, it's like, did I not enjoy the time I spent watching that show? Hell no. Was I excited to watch it every week and every episode? I was like, this was good. Like every episode I was like, you know, while there might be certain aspects to it where I was like, Oh, I don't know if that quite gelled or, you know, hit me the way I would want it to, or could have been presented differently. I still enjoyed every episode and, and thoroughly enjoyed the season overall. But um, I, I think it did. It was just that thing. Like that show just kept escalating to, it was going to be hard to keep the pace up that they had, but yeah, super enjoyed it. Couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah, I thought they did a good. I don't, you guys think they're done? I kind of hope. 
I think it's kind of nice just to finish something, you know, like, I don't know where they go. And it's just like, cause I, I feel like this third season, they obviously had to do it. The story hadn't wrapped up, but, and like you said, Bob, it seemed like they kind of had this arc kind of in their heads about like where the show was going to go potentially if it got picked up and it was successful. And it's like, you know, American television is just, we're so quick to just like, it's a hit. Let's just keep the hits rolling, you know? And sometimes it is nice just to like, let it be a thing and let it be done and, and let everyone else kind of move on to their next things. Cause you know, this show, I think catapulted a lot of actors into other roles. Like obviously the guy that played Roy Kent like you're saying, the guy that played Jamie, like, I feel like we're going to see them in more things because this was so successful. So um, I- I'm kind of cool with them just letting it be what it is. But if they, if they bring back for a fourth season, I'll happily watch it. Mike, what do you think? I hope they don't. Um, I thought it ended just perfectly. Um, we don't always have to squeeze every last bit of juice out of the orange. Uh, Scrubs, I thought, had a perfect ending. Then it came back for that other season in ABC, and I tried not to think about that season. I think they were going to call that Scrubs Medical School, and then ABC said no one's going to watch it if we call it that. And people said, maybe that's for the best. No, I don't think they went with that, but they're like, it's a different show. It's like, why don't we – it seemed – I don't know. That felt – I mean, that's a side note. That felt like they were just trying to milk money out of us, you know. But anyway. Um, Okay. Um, I think that's it. Thank you all for listening to the show. We'll be back next week where we're going to see if there's a new uh, champion at uh, 135 pounds. Um, Most of us do not think that's what's going to happen. Actually, none of us do. But we'll see. Uh, Until then, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. Thank you all for listening. Peace out. See ya. Real men cry. I shed some tears. That's right. I got emotionally invested. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, good season. I need something new to watch as positive. So, all right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. See y'all next week. Bye. See ya.